feel closer to God's creation right. out there doing stuff like that than sitting in front of the computer all day. Hey, welcome to the Pines and Pews podcast. We're just two guys talking about the Catholic faith over a couple of pints of our favorite craft beers. So why don't you slide into the pew alongside us and listen in for a while. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Good, Robert. How are things? Oh, good, good. Uh, A little body weary from having worked outside, pulling down a couple of sheds to put up a new one. So, yeah, hot day, hot day for some uh, yard work. That's for sure. Yeah, lots, lots of water, but that's that's done now. So now it's time to to move on to a better beverage. Not not to say that it's better than water. We we need water, and water is is a source of life. But uh, yeah, this beer is going to go down nice. So I think we're ready to get going. Are you 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 ready to? There we go. What do you got on the go today, sir? Brock Street Traditional Irish Red. That's one of my favorites from them. I really like the, the yeah. traditional Irish Red it, from it, them. It probably is my favorite. It's yeah, definitely one of the top three for sure. And yourself? Today I've got a Vimy Cream Ale. So this is from the the Vimy Brewing Company, which is out of Ottawa. Oh, it's, it's okay. almost downtown, not quite downtown, but almost downtown. And a nice cream ale. If a cream ale is done nice, I, I I really like. I know, but sometimes so, they say cream ales and they're not really cream ales. You know what I mean? It, it depends. So it's got a nice and a nice little pour going. And the same for you. You got that nice little pour. You got about yeah, a, a, an inch of foam at the top. Yep. Yeah. Right. So looking good. Looking nice. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, and before we have our first sip, we need to say our prayer. Prayer before beer. Prayer before beer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it may gain health and body, in peace and soul, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Father, Son, and of the, the Holy, Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and you know, thinking of beers and, and after-work beers, it just reminds me of uh, you know, the Benedictines that I used to go visit their monasteries in Germany and have their wonderful beers at the Benedictine monasteries. And and it gets me to thinking of the that Benedictine motto, ora et labora, prayer and work. Mm. Right? And you know, kind of the, the two oars for for life to get it going. But first we need to have a sip here. Something about a physical day's uh, a, a physical day of labor, eh? Puts you in the mood for a nice beer at the end of the day. It's well earned. Yeah, yeah. And we are made for physical labor in, in many ways. And the Lord's commandment to Adam and Eve in the garden was to to tend and till creation. So we are to to be laboring. We are to to be looking after this great creation. Though because of the fall, that labor becomes a little bit more difficult. And I can tell you, I was earning this beer by the sweat of my brow yeah, today, absolutely. pulling down those sheds. But I, I find we really need to to have that balance in life. 
between prayer and, and work. And work, yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, as much as was working, I know you've been running around today, running a lot of errands and you've yeah. been busy. In the labor stuff. I remember doing, building a shed last year with a neighbor and uh, we were building a shed, putting the foundation and I had the tamper going and everything. And I'm like, oh, it was such a hot day. And just to have a beer at the end of that uh, job was just so refreshing. So yeah. refreshing. Yeah. Uh, we need to be drinking water throughout to keep ourselves going. But when the, when the job is done, uh, there's nothing quite like that first sip uh, of the beer. That beer. Now, mm -hmm. and I don't know about you, when I'm doing work outside, I know there's some people that they like to put their, their earbuds in and they like to be listening to music or, or have some background noise mm -hmm. while they're, they're doing that. I like to work in silence. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and I'm not sure about you, but I like to work in silence. I like to hear the birds and the car and the traffic going by in the distance and the, the neighbors and the lawnmowers. And yeah, I, I like to hear everything that's going on. No, I can't put earbuds in. No, for sure. And no, for me, I just, I, I like to just let my mind wander. Yeah. And, and again, that comes back to that notion of prayer and work and that while, while we're working, we can still be contemplating, you know, the, the mysteries of our Lord. And like you say, listening to the birds and the neighbors and life that's going on out there. That's appreciating a, God's, um, God's creation. Right. And, that, and that's just as prayerful as you know, getting down on our knees as, as well. So, and, and there's something gratifying about doing that kind of work. Mm -hmm. And again, you feel closer to God's creation. Absolutely. Right. I feel closer to God's creation Right. Out there doing stuff like that than sitting in front of the computer all day. Right. And there's, like you say, there's something gratifying about it. And it's, again, you know, doing, doing God's work. Okay. Yeah. I could do without the mosquitoes, but. Uh, right. Right. It's all, it's all part of God's creation. Where, like your present pastor, I remember he had a pet cat. I mean, oh, what was his name? Who just passed away a couple of years ago, but he had that cat forever, Father Keith. And uh, I remember one time it escaped from the, the rectory and it ended up quickly on mass in mass. Somebody grabbed the cat and brought it back to the rectory. And, and for me growing up, the pastor that we had growing up in Newmarket, uh, Father Bill Scanlon, one of the original founding members of the Flying Fathers, uh, he always had a dog. Mm. Right. And the dog would always during mass would lie down underneath the back pew. Hmm. So the dog was always uh, in the church, but not fully in the church. And yeah, you know what? I think it's important that priests have companions, like especially if they're on their own, too, which a lot of them are. Speaking of on their own, why have we not got why did not one of those two newly ordained priests come to our parish, which which is a very big parish? I don't know how Father Chris is gonna manage. Well, he'll manage, obviously. Because they heard that there's some guy named Dennis Kivlihan in that parish that's going to give them a hard time and drive them crazy. So uh, they, they asked not to. I, who knows what the Cardinal's discernment is in that process. Right. Uh, you know, one of them is going to a, another fairly large bustling parish that actually just built a, a big extension on it. Right. But the other right. ones, the other ones off to the cathedral. So you have yeah. to wonder if the cardinal is seeing something else and that this young priest is destined for, for other vocational ministries than in the parish itself. Yeah. Did you hear their ordinandi little, um, 
No. Okay, because I, I was too, bad too, that way. Yeah, two good, two good men. Actually, they were all good men. It's funny we well, must, especially must, the one that went to the to the cathedral. He's a good guy because he grew up at Saint John Chrysostom Parish in Newmarket, which is the parish I grew up in. I did not know that. That was well, that was I saw Robert. You've got like seven good men, and two are coming to the archdiocese, the largest archdiocese in Canada, and the rest of them are going back home. That's uh, that speaks volumes. We need to. You know, maybe Father Matt can have more. Speaking of Father Matt, there's a guy we should get on the show. And talk we about need to. We need to have a chat with him. Yeah. I mean, and Father Matt's a great guy, and he is the kind of guy that would bring vocations in. Um, hopefully, For he sure. can get into, into parishes and into schools and talk about this yeah. kind of thing. Because uh, he's a young guy. Young guy. I would say early 30s. At the probably pushing of, mid now, I guess maybe. Maybe yeah. because you just see that. You have to think of the, the amount of time that they spend in studies. Exactly. Uh, Whatever happened to the like the 25-year-old priests, you just don't get those anymore. No, because a lot of them are, are later vocations. So someone like Father Matt was probably a very early vocation. And I mean, can you look at him? I don't know if you've ever seen any of his YouTube videos through, and I think they're on the St. Michael's Cathedral YouTube where he's playing his violin and he'll have it, he's playing three or four different parts. Yeah, you sent me part. one of those. Absolutely yeah. beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then he's also a member of the Flying Fathers, and he used to come out and play hockey with us. There's a bunch of teachers. You were telling so we, me that. We yeah. would get together on Tuesday afternoons to, to play hockey when we could still do that. Um, and he would come out and play, and he would be one of the better players out there. And he, he was a really good basketball player. He told me when he had come to the school that he basketball was his first love. Bit of a renaissance man there. He's got, got everything going for him, doesn't he? Exactly, exactly. So hopefully he can get out into the parishes and into the schools and and increase vocations. The numbers are there, Robert. The the men are there. The you know what do we got? Six million in the Greater Toronto area, or around that. If you look at the whole diocese, you know, Barrie, Oshawa, Oakville, from Toronto. Yeah, it's got to be. And what I've heard is that it's not that men are not being called. It's not that God is no longer calling these men to the vocations. Is they don't know how to listen for the call and they don't know how to answer the call. So vocations are, are not being encouraged within society. It's not being encouraged uh, within families. And I can remember way back when I, again, I was a younger man, younger man, I was a teenager, if that at best. And we had a young seminarian that came to our parish in Newmarket. And then he was as a transitional deacon. Again, he was assigned to our parish. And then when he was ordained, again, his first stint as associate pastor was at St. John Chrysostom in Newmarket. And I remember just before he was to be ordained, again, a good looking young man. And my mom's comment was, oh, what a waste. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's not that men are not being called to the priesthood. Like you look at those numbers, it's just that the priestly life is not encouraged. And if anything, it's maybe being discouraged mm. in, in today's world. Yeah. I don't know if it's discouraged in so much that it's, it's such a, it, well, it's always been a huge sacrifice, but with, you know, millions of things being thrown at you every day nobody has the time nobody takes the time to have that 
quiet discernment and maybe that regular prayerful life, which you do really well. And I struggle at times. And I think all these ordinandi had expressed that same sentiment. They need to take time or they had to take time on a regular basis for quiet prayer for life. And if they didn't, you know, that, that's something that kind of distracted them from all, you know, all the stuff out there. They needed to take that quiet time. And I think that's something that we could all take a page from myself, especially. Now, do you think that that's maybe one of the reasons why we're seeing so many late vocations that a, a lot right. of the guys. And that was exactly the same sentiment, Robert. One had come from the hospital setting. One was an engineer, which I think is fantastic because they've got this life experience. They were in these professions and they said, no, this I've got this nagging calling, still something at me that this isn't, I've got enough money. I'm doing what I, you know, I can do whatever I want. And it's just, it was really good. Those few that spoke about those, you know, professions that they were doing really well at, and yet it wasn't satisfying. Yeah. And like you say that having that quiet time and having that prayerful life, uh, when you're a young man in your late teens, early to mid twenties, uh, your life is not quiet mm. and your life is not prayerful uh, uh, unless you're doing this expressly. Right. Uh, you have to wonder if in those earlier years, there just isn't maturity. Mm -hmm. Good point. To, Good to, point. To Especially today. Whereas, Maybe, you know, 19, 20, 21 year olds, 50, 60 years ago, you know, when they went into the seminary, they were a lot, they grew up a lot quicker and they were a lot more mature. But it's funny you should say that because a lot of them had said, expressed that kind of sediment, sentiment, Robert. They had said that they were, you know, and the one constant is what I want to emphasize was Sunday mass, that they were going to Sunday mass, but they were living their life, you know, regularly normal kind of life during the week, but Sunday mass was a something. And, and they said that something was amiss there, that they weren't continuing that prayerful Sunday mass into their full week. And that's, and that's why a lot of them had, you know, decided that they need to discover more about their faith. And eventually it led them to the priesthood. Yeah, and I think too, if you look at a number of the saints, a number of the saints followed very much the same pattern and and the two big names that come to mind right now right. Uh, would be saint augustine and saint francis of assisi wait you wanted to talk you were going to bring up something before we got into the books what okay was that? so yeah so yeah why don't we just wait a second for the books mm. uh, there was a couple i want to bring up um so every morning uh i do the the readings of the day, but I also do the litany of the litany of the saints. So right. the, I go through the, the saints that it's their, their feast day today. And right. so there was two saints today, cause there's usually like a couple dozen. Um, and some of them, you know, a little bit more and know a little bit more. Their I know there's a couple dozen, by the time I get to those dozens that the ones that the, those, you know, from Roman times, I kind of like, there's just a little bit on them and I just kind of brush through those. Yeah. And, and you can't really pronounce their name. During the last thousand years, I read the whole thing and they're usually much more detailed. Yeah. So, so today, two saints that I kind of wanted to, to bring up right. uh, today, um, St. Matthias, who is the, um, he was kind of a, an apostle that came after the apostles. St. Matthias is the apostle that was selected to replace Judas. Right. Uh, to bring it back to 12. Um, and I just kind of found it, 
I don't want to say amusing, but just with what we do here at the podcast, the, the Pints and Pews, you know, having a, a beer and talking about the faith. Uh, St. Matthias is the patron saint of alcoholics and alcoholism. Huh. So, right. Uh, so you kind of think, oh, okay, yeah, we're doing Pints in the Pews and we're going to be having a beer and it's the, the feast of the patron saint of alcoholics. Um, not to say that either one of us, thanks be to God, I think is is there. But it is something that with what we're doing, we, we should be thinking of and, and praying for those that do have a hard time with temptation and have Absolutely a, and, well and that alcohol is their their weak point. Absolutely. And 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 if I look at him as well, it's smallpox, carpenters, and tailors as well. Where do you where do you get such an eclectic mix of different things? Like some saints have got so many different you know, um, things that they, you know, they're the saint against. And it just seems like it's, uh, I can see the whole alcoholism and alcoholics, but how do you get smallpox carpenters, tailors from there? If I'm just looking at, and and you know what, you'd you'd have to go into his biography to find out where the links are to those, because some of those links are are pretty tenuous. And I, and I'm not saying that about St. Matthias, uh, because I really don't know, but yeah, like you say, you look at some of these patron saints and uh, some of these saints, and they're the patron saint of again two dozen different things, and you're looking at some of them going, I really don't see the connection, but I'm sure that there's a connection there somewhere. Um, yeah, speaking of, I don't know if I put like Butler's Lives of the Saints, but that's always a good read. Any sort of saint book one can get their hands on is always a great read, isn't it, Robert? Really, we, I mean, we need to be beautiful people. Yeah, we need to be Holy constantly people. reading the lives of the saints. Uh, and, and you mentioned Butler's Lives of the Saints, one of kind of my favorite books that I, I suggest to people to read um, is entitled Saints Behaving Badly. Hmm. And, and what it is, is it looks at the saints, but it also looks at their life before they were saints. And again, we were talking about St. Augustine and St. Francis, right. uh, kind of almost being the poster children for, for this kind of thing, because both yeah. of them uh, lived pretty wild and dissolute youths. Uh, and then followed the calling to God and became some of the greatest saints in the history. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, soldier. I know. I that's what the, I that's the thing I love about the saints. It's just they were so wayward. You know, they just you know were every they were everywhere. They, you know, they 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 were doing everything as well. And and just the fact that they've all become, you know the pantheon of, of great saints of the Catholic church. It's amazing from where some of them came from and to get where they were and no faith, little faith, you know, partiers, like you said, St. Augustine and, and look at them. And we, and, and now we pray to them, right? It's, it's beautiful. Well, it, exactly. And, and you're saying that reminds me, there's a, uh, there's a saying, and I really don't know who it's attributed to. And I'm trying to, uh, find here it is, uh, Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Mm. Yes. I, I just, and, I it's, and, that, and that, actually it's from Oscar Wilde of okay. all people. Huh. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. And that's something that I, I hold on to dearly, which, you know, means that there's hope for me yet. Like hope for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of us more than others, but uh, more than the other. <laughs> Oscar um, Wilde of all people. Eh? Oscar Wilde of all people. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. And again, that's why it's so important to read the lives of the saints because the saints can relate to what we're going through, depending what we've got going on in our life. You know, there's a saint that we can relate to 
that will point us towards God and it will bring us towards God. But it's uh, whatever trials or tribulations we're going through, eh, Robert? Oh, hey, okay? yeah, exactly. they've, they've gone through a lot of that stuff. Some exactly. of those great mystics and stuff. And so there was another one of the saints from today that I came across last year. And so I've been asking the saint every day uh, for the last year to pray for us. Uh, and that's St. Corona. Mm. Right? Um, and in this time of, of the pandemic, which was initially called the coronavirus, um, and last yeah. May, I, it's funny you said St. Corona. The first thing I thought of was the beer. It was the beer. The yeah. <laughs> I, I just realized the virus was what you were talking about. You thought I was, you know, St. Corona because, you know, that's what, that's what we're drinking. No, um, St. Corona, and again, uh, a, an early saint, and a, a saint from the early church during the, the different persecutions. And uh, St. Corona a martyr and was martyred because she was ministering to other persecuted Christians. But believe it or not, St. Corona is a patron saint against pandemics. Hmm. <laughs> right. Which, which, and when I was doing a little looking into this a little bit wow. earlier today, like in the last year, all of a the sudden there's been this huge interest, uh, in St. Corona. Now, nobody knew of St. Corona at all, at all, at all before. And then I think as like myself, people were stumbling across St. Corona and St. Corona being the patron saint of pandemics last year, all of a sudden there's a renewed interest. And when I was doing a little bit of research into her earlier today, uh, one of the very few churches dedicated to St. Corona is in Northern Italy, which was kind of like the epicenter of the outbreak of the pandemic uh, a year ago when it, it first mm. ripped through Europe. Um, Isn't that interesting? And now Corona is just crown in English, is it not? Is that the translation or am I mistaken? No, I, be I believe you're right. And Northern Italy, would that not be close to Spain? I would imagine on the... Uh, Oh, excuse me. Um, it's not, Northern Italy? Uh, Northern Italy is as close to Spain as you're going to get in Italy, but you would still have to, you know, go seven, eight hundred kilometers across France to, to get there. Uh -huh. I had no idea Saint, there was even a Saint Corona. Huh. Yeah, but I think sometimes we take it for granted being Catholics for... Well, in your case, over 60 years, but in my case, over 50 <laughs> years, right? We, we just take it for granted that this is part of our DNA, not realizing what a gift we've been given, really. Yeah, it, it becomes a part of the fabric of, I, I don't want to say it's part of the fabric of who we are. Like you say, a lot of people take it for granted that it's always going to be there, mm. right? And, and both you and I can speak to this. So it's kind of like your parents. You, You've, your parents have been there for you all your life. Like from, mm -hmm. from the moment of your conception, your parents have, have been there. And your parents have always just been a part of the fabric of your life. And you start, start to kind of take it for granted that they're always going to be there until the day that they're not. Yeah. And, and I think that could be said about the faith for many, many people. And that I would say it's not just a Catholic phenomenon. Mm -hmm. I would say that that's across the board. 
that people who are raised within a faith take it for granted that it's always going to be there, that the church is going to be there for the sacraments when we want them. and and not realizing that you know there has to be workers in the vineyard that there has to be weavers of the cloth uh, and so in that we just become yeah accustomed to to the faith being there but that yeah. being said it's that it still is a slow burning ember and one even those of us that are just kind of going through the motions or you know, this is just the way we've always done it. When those that are on the outside see the beauty of what happens within the church, those that see the beauty of Catholicism, even when it's being practiced by those who are just kind of going through the motions in a lot of cases, they see that beauty and they want to be a part of that beauty. Right? Absolutely, yeah. And And you know what, too? I think... They do want to see that, but I think sometimes, you know, we we get inspired from them, you know, thinking, okay, why are they disrupting their lives so much to move into our faith? What is it about that? And then we realize the extent that our faith has to draw these people in. I think so. I think, yeah, I think you, you you hit on something there as you were saying that we're we're so accustomed and it's it's just so much a part of the woodwork that. And we become blasé about it. And then when someone comes into the room and they're all excited for it, you're kind of like, oh, maybe I want to look at this again from a different perspective and kind of see, you know, why, why is it getting other people excited? Excited, absolutely. Right. So uh, another one of my... And that's a great word too, blasé. I think that's a very yeah. apt word, Robert. Yeah, another one. Yeah, I have to get back out. I didn't do the sheds like you, but uh, my uh, son is doing a bit of yard work out in the back with uh, his girlfriend's helping him out. So I have to get back out there. And uh, but yeah, no. So you've got a you still have a busy weekend going ahead of you. Yes. So yeah, so there's still stuff that needs to get done around here. Uh, right. You were mentioning cutting trees earlier, and yeah, we've got lots of big trees. And uh, you know, late May, uh, the tr- big trees are dropping all kinds of stuff. Well, buddy, got lots on the go, so we better okay. we better just wrap this up and yep. uh, and we'll you know, see you next week. Yes, and yeah, yeah. Again, we'll God willing, and I'm yeah, looking forward to. It. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Okay, you have a good one. Take care. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed your pint and the conversation just as much as we did. And we look forward to chatting again next time over a pint or two.